0: I've got a self-propelled lawn mower at home, probably not that unfamiliar to, to many of you, and I have to use it because if you have self-propelled, you might as well use it. A buff guy like yourself, like myself doesn't really need it, but since I have it, I'm going to use it. However, I ran into a little bit of a problem recently. A couple of weeks ago, I was mowing the lawn, and it just would go for a little bit, and then it would stop, and then I'd have to back up and go again, and it was just kind of like, normally it takes me about 45 minutes to mow the lawn. It was kind of entering into that hour and 15, hour and 20 range constantly back and forth, back and forth, and then thinking, what in the world is wrong with this thing? So at first it was the self-propelled mechanism that didn't work, and then all of a sudden I couldn't even push it manually anymore. It's constantly going back and then forward, back and forward. I mowed the lawn actually three times with it like that because I'm not very mechanical, and that would require you to ask for help if you didn't know how to fix it yourself. So I mowed it three times. Fourth time, finally came around like, I got to do something. So I flipped the up and I laying around at the mechanism. There's nothing wrong. Nothing bent. All the cables seem to be hooked up. Still can't figure it out. Like, well, you know what? I'm going to just end up taking this this tire off of the back of the lawnmower. So i got a little picture here to show you what was going on underneath there. So I take the tire off and there's a rock. There's a rock between the self-propelled mechanism and the wheel. Now, I had no idea how that thing got in there. If you would have looked at it before you took the wheel off, you, you, the rock wasn't even on my mind. I was expecting something to be broke in there because there's no room for the rock to get in. So my question this morning is, who's been sabotaging my lawnmower? <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm like, what is going on here? Now, it doesn't work very well. Self-propelled doesn't work at all when there's a rock slogging things up, and all of a sudden, the manual doesn't even work anymore. You can't go forward, you got to go backwards, because what? you got to get that rock in the exact right spot, and then you can at least go a little ways until what? The rock catches again. It was a rigorous couple of times mowing the lawn, but the rock is gone. This morning, I think many of us have a spiritual life that's parallel to my lawnmower where there's moments of going forward and all of a sudden it's like, boom, can't go backward. And then when you are going forward, though, it's kind of like constantly back, like this. It's It's not a consistent thing in one direction. A lot of us have a spiritual journey where we could maybe say there's not a lot of vibrancy. There's a constant struggle. There's moments of high where it's like, I love Jesus today. And then there's days or weeks where it's like, Jesus isn't even a priority because he doesn't even show up in my radar. Most of us are like my lawnmower when it comes to our spiritual lives. Well, in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is, is really reminding us to live by faith, but at the same time as he's saying live by faith, he's saying to live by faith requires spirituality. You can't live by faith unless you walk by the Spirit. And so these next two weeks, we're going to be asking the question, how do I have a vibrant spiritual life? I'm assuming that you want to have a vibrant spiritual life. Otherwise, I'm not exactly sure why you're here this morning. Most people go to church or are interested in a spiritual life. Well, these next two weeks, we're going to ask the question, how do I have a vibrant spiritual life? Now, this is a little bit scary conversation to have, a warning in advance. Why is it scary? It's not scary because of the weird things that we see the Spirit do in the Bible. It's really scary because of one word, control. We like to have people over to our house for supper quite often. Maybe you really don't know the real reason you're being invited over. The real reason you're being invited over is so we don't get invited to your house. Because then I can control the menu. It works beautifully. You have the final say. You and I both have a little issue when it comes to control. We don't like someone else to be in charge. The scary aspect of the Holy Spirit, or spirituality according to the Bible, is this. A healthy, vibrant spirituality means you're not in control anymore. Forget all the weird stuff we see in the Bible that the Holy Spirit does. The real challenge is this. You want to have a vibrant spirituality, you have to give up control. And so it's going to get a little scary these next two weeks. But according to the scriptures, you can't have a vibrant spirituality without the Holy Spirit. How many of you this morning are big Star Wars fans? Any Star Wars fans? Now, if I got up here before you this morning and I said, Oh, I am the biggest Star Wars fan ever. Huge. I love it. And then if you said to me, Well, have you seen the most recent one? And I responded by saying, Well, actually, I haven't seen any of them. You would say, Well, how are you... uh, fan you would say that's absurd you're a star wars fan but you haven't seen any of the movies you would agree with me that's absurd that's like saying i'm gonna have a vibrant spiritual life without the holy spirit impossible actually a contradiction it's not possible to have a vibrant spiritual life without the holy spirit and the apostle paul is reminding us this morning in the book of galatians saying hey you receive the holy spirit So we're going to take a little bit of time this morning. It might get a little academic for a little while. Because to understand a healthy spirituality, we have to understand the root or the foundation, which is the Holy Spirit. Well, who or what is the Holy Spirit? Who or what is the Holy Spirit? Author Kevin DeYoung, pastor, says it best. He summarizes the Holy Spirit this way, saying, The Holy Spirit shares the same essence with the Father and the Son, and yet He is distinct from them. Simply put, the Holy Spirit is God. But the Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son. He is His own divine person. A lot of people are aware of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard the phrase Holy Ghost. A lot of times how the Holy Spirit is referred to. The Holy Spirit is oftentimes acknowledged. But the Holy Spirit is oftentimes acknowledged as a force. So a lot of times you'll see the imagery when you're talking about the Holy Spirit of wind or a flame. Because in the Old Testament... When it's talking about the Spirit of God, it's really that word could be used for wind or flame. And so therefore, people project the Holy Spirit to be this impersonal force that's either kind of wind or flame doing work. Well, author Kevin DeYoung reminds us that the Holy Spirit is much more than an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is actually a person. Well, where does Kevin DeYoung get this from? Let's look at just a couple of spots. First, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, Jesus' final words to his disciples. He says, Go, therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is critical to see. Notice that the Holy Spirit gets what? The exact same positioning as the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is not just a substitute. The Holy Spirit is not a little tag-along. All three are equal. That's why Kevin DeYoung in that quote is saying, the Holy Spirit is divine. He's not the Father and He's not the Son, but He is God. In other words, very complex. When we say God, we mean Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's just this mysterious thing that's revealed in the Bible that's almost impossible to explain. One God, three distinct beings. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oftentimes though, the Holy Spirit becomes the ignored one of the Trinity. And so sometimes we just kind of set this Holy Spirit aside because we think of him as an impersonal force or being. Well, you could look at multiple places in the Bible. This is just one example where it kind of has that Trinitarian look where it refers to three specific beings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Another place where we see the personhood of the Holy Spirit emphasizes in John chapter 14, Jesus is preparing his followers for life after him. And so Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Notice the emphasis here. When Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he's talking about what? A personal being. Not, not a force, not an impulse personal kind of thing of wind over here but actually talking and referring to the holy spirit as a personal being who's going to what reside with followers of Jesus Christ and so the holy spirit is not an impersonal force but a personal being dwelling among us the holy spirit in the old testament was present at various moments so if you read the Bible in the Old Testament you'll see that the Holy Spirit is present during creation and then during other moments in Israel's history but the Holy Spirit never remained with one individual or never stayed consistently with one group of people but there was a promise in the Old Testament in the prophecy of Joel, Ezekiel and Isaiah three different prophets in different ways promised that at this one day the spirit of God is going to be poured out on who all of God's people all of God's people are going to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The presence of God is going to be with them. So that's what we see here in John 14 is Jesus reminding them of that promise that the Holy Spirit as a person is coming with us. So there's one line that I want you to remember when thinking about the Holy Spirit. It's this. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force, but a personal being dwelling with us. Until you truly understand this, and you might have a difficulty having a vibrant, healthy spirituality. Because your healthy, vibrant spirituality is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And if it's not dependent upon the Holy Spirit, you're dependent upon someone or something else, most of the time yourself. So this is why you see, if you go to Barnes & Noble or anywhere, spirituality is actually a growing trend in our culture. If you look at statistics nowadays, people say that they do not want to be related to organized religion. So you see that church attendance across the country is in decline for the most part, and organized religion is in decline for the most part, but there's this weird thing going on. Spirituality is on the uptick. However, be very careful when you get excited about seeing spirituality on the uptick, because spirituality on the uptick for the majority of the world means this. Personal reflection in my inner self to make my inner self a better person. So spirituality is all about reflecting on who I am and what's going on inside of me and how I can fix that and become a better I am. That's complete opposite of Christian spirituality. Christian spirituality is not an individualistic experience, but it's actually an objective outside person working in us, through us, and alongside of us, and bringing us with others. So you might hear one say, well, I'm not really interested in church. I'm just interested in spirituality. It's actually a contradiction according to the Bible because you can't have spirituality without the Holy Spirit. You can't have the Holy Spirit without the church because the church is the body of Christ and Christ is the one who sends the Spirit. So the foundation of your spirituality is understanding and beginning to experience the personal being of the Holy Spirit dwelling with you, with us. Now, I want you to remember two things this morning about the Holy Spirit. It's really just two words. The first word to remember about the Holy Spirit is this, necessity. In Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is is reminding the readers, saying, hey, who bewitched you? In other words, hey, who, who kind of sent you down the wrong path here? Because remember that you didn't get the Holy Spirit because you started doing certain traditions. You got the Holy Spirit by faith. And the Holy Spirit is a necessity, and we see that in a variety of different places. I'm going to share three places with you this morning. This makes some of you uncomfortable because there's a serious amount of mystery in some of the things we're just about to share. That you cannot come to God without God. You cannot come to God without God. That bothers the heck out of a lot of us, right? Because I'm a free being. I can choose what I want, when I want, where I want. Freedom is king. Freedom is a great thing. We should never downplay that. Freedom is awesome, should be enjoyed, should be protected. But what we're about to see here is that we need more than ourselves. We need the Spirit of God. So let's look at our first verse here in John chapter 6. This is right from the mouth of Jesus Christ. Jesus talking to his followers says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Very simply, Jesus saying to his followers, Hey, you can't follow me unless the Father actually gives you the ability to follow me. This is just one place where Jesus says it. He says it in multiple other places, just like this general theme of saying, Hey, God is the one who has to give you the ability to believe or trust. Let's look at another verse here, and we can see what's coming up next. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, famous verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Saved by faith, absolutely. But listen to what it says. Not your own doing, it is the gift of God. This is completely mysterious. Wow, well, pastor, I've got the ability to trust. I can, I'm deciding to trust in this chair right now. And most of you, are, you made a conscious choice to trust in the chair that you're sitting in this morning. But for whatever reason, God has designed things that we will not trust in Jesus Christ without the gift of faith, which is dependent upon God. So faith is a gift. Everything you have is a gift. Now you well, pastor, I don't know. We could look at that grammar and we could spin it a different way. Okay, let's look at another verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul's teaching on the Holy Spirit. It says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. In other words, what was going on is that there are people in the Corinthian church that were saying, hey, Jesus isn't who he said he was. And so the Apostle Paul is saying to them, hey, if people are saying that, that's evidence that they're not Christians because the Spirit of God would not allow that and can't even do that. It would be a contradiction. However, in the same token, a person can't say Jesus is Lord unless what? The Holy Spirit is present. Again, this is just completely mysterious. And however it rubs you, wrong way or right way, just let it sit and let the Word of God saturate in your heart that the Holy Spirit is a necessity. And this morning, if you're saying, Jesus is Lord, your very second sentence should be this. Thank you, God. Jesus is Lord. Thank you, God. Because you could not say that without God. Don't take my word for it. Take the word of the Lord for it this morning. The Holy Spirit is a necessity. The Holy Spirit is a Okay, folks, let's work on this a little bit. i got to preach here again at 1, so i got plenty of time. We can let this go on as long as you want. The Holy Spirit is a... Yes, All right, the second piece that we have to understand about the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is available. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. If the Holy Spirit is who we just said He is, a divine being, part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is God... And Jesus promises that he's going to be with us. I don't know about you, but if there's power like that available, you know what? I want it. I want it. And you would want it too. The good news this morning is this the Holy Spirit is available. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 3 that we were looking at earlier. In Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul makes an interesting statement here Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? The the Apostle Paul is trying to kind of jab here a little bit at the recipient, saying, hey, 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 you remember that you're a Christian because of the Spirit. Now you think you can continue on in your Christian journey without the Spirit? In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying is, hey, the Spirit's available. Why would you try and do it on your own? Why would you do it on your own power? The Spirit is available. This is a big deal. That God himself, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, is available to you and I. Don't take my word for it again. Let's take Jesus' word for it. Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, he's teaching about prayer. And so he's basically saying, hey, ask God. God wants to be asked. And he closes the portion on teaching and prayer. He says this, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus isn't in the business of holding out a false carrot. He's not, hey, let's motivate Him with this idea that the Holy Spirit's really available to pray, but the Holy Spirit's not really available. Okay, If we believe that about Jesus, we're just on different pages and different understandings. Jesus is saying what? The Spirit of God is available to you today. Today. You do not have to go it alone. Today, Jesus says, you have a helper. That helper isn't like, "Oh, I don't know who's available, let's send in the second chain. Yeah, come on. No, no, no. The helper, the one who's available, is God himself. The promise to the disciples is that the Holy Spirit is going to be with them. Do you believe in the availability of the Holy Spirit? If you believe in the availability of the Holy Spirit, you're going to ask, God, make me aware of the presence of the Spirit. If you believe in the availability of the Holy Spirit, you're going to step out in faith because you know that what? The Spirit's right there to work and to provide. The Holy Spirit is a necessity. At the exact same time, thankfully to God, the Holy Spirit is available. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is You should almost be more excited about this one than the necessity one. Because I don't know about you, the flesh is really strong. The tendencies of my heart and my mind are really stubborn. They keep bringing up and going back to the exact same things. Things that I know are unhealthy. And so therefore, it even elevates more the greatness that God has said, don't do it on your own. Actually, you can't do it on your own, but rather depend upon the Holy Spirit. He's a necessity and he is available. Well, it all begins by getting someone or something out of the way. The lawnmower didn't get back to working Until there was a removal. Well, what needs to be removed or who needs to be removed in our lives? According to the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, the one who's in the way is self. Self is the one in the wheel, self is the rock in the way. Because true Christian spirituality is not looking to self for strength or identity. Or power. True Christian spirituality is looking to the Holy Spirit for strength, power, and identity. And so today, do you need to raise your hand? Not in a grab motion, but in a surrender motion. And say, no longer I, but the Holy Spirit who resides with me, in me, alongside of me. I need to depend upon him now this is scary some of you are really uncomfortable right now right the idea of being a little more spiritual you don't know what's going to happen spiritual doesn't mean you're going to be weird spiritual means this that god's going to work in you love joy peace patience kindness gentleness and self-control That's not weird, that's Christ-like. And if you want to be Christ-like this morning, it's time for surrender. To say to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, I submit to you. I acknowledge that you are necessary, and I appreciate that you are available. And so, what does this mean for us today? I just want to talk practically for a moment, because there's been a lot of confusion about this. There's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit Some people are really excited about the Holy Spirit. Other people are just really uncomfortable. Some of you are like, why are there people raising their hands during worship? And some people raise their hands and and they say that's because the Holy Spirit. They can can feel the Spirit moving. I don't know if that's why people raise their hands or not. But just raising your hands doesn't mean that you're Spirit-filled. Not raising your hands doesn't mean you're not Spirit-filled. Raising your hands is just an expression of saying, God, I praise you above all else. Because at a football game, what do you do? You clap. I was at a baseball game on Friday night watching the Twins. You know, you know what people are doing? They're standing up doing gestures, run, go, go, around the bases. They're clapping. They're celebrating. It, the physical is just an expression of what? What's going on in here, what they want to happen? So you're just raising your hand in worship. It's just a physical expression of what is going on in your heart and your mind. It doesn't mean the Spirit's more present or less present. We've got to be really careful. You can't leave here on a Sunday morning and go, Oh, I really felt the Spirit this morning. Felt really good. Spirit was really present. I don't care how you feel when you leave here. It doesn't mean the Spirit was more present or less present. What is evidence of the Spirit here is when you leave here saying, Jesus is Lord. The evidence of the Spirit here is on Wednesday afternoon. When joy, love, peace, patience, and kindness is being formed in you. Now, are you going to feel great sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to feel like nothing sometimes? Absolutely. Don't rest on your feelings regarding the work of the Holy Spirit, rest on the promises of God. And so this morning, if you want to become spiritual, it's time to say, okay, i got to let up some control. And i got to be ready. That means that what? You know what? Sometimes something weird might happen. Because what? I'm not in control. So something weird might happen like this. You might be walking down the street and you see somebody. And you might, go, you might have to walk up to that person and say, hey, I was just wondering, what, what's causing you stress today? You might, okay, that's a little odd. But guess what? You were just surrendering to the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit told you to go and ask, What's causing you stress today? It might get a little odd. It might get a little weird sometimes. Somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, I've been praying. And I've been praying. That I've had this sense, this, this, this. This word, these words have come to me. These thoughts have been coming to me. And, and I just wanted to share this with you. And you're like, what? Well, if we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not silent. The Holy Spirit isn't sitting in the back row with the, the old silent clap. The Holy Spirit's in the front row with the slow clap and the loud clap, all at the exact Same time, continually. So it's going to get a little odd sometimes, submitting yourself to someone outside of yourself. So this morning, I was wondering if we could just obey Jesus. That's it, just obey Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, Ask, and you will receive maybe we could obey Jesus this morning and say, Father, I want to be aware of your Spirit, and I want to experience the presence and the power of your Spirit. That's it. I'm not asking you to do anything goofy. I'm not asking you to, to, you know, cut your heart open and allow some weird substance in and say a bunch of words you don't know. No, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is this, God, make me aware of your Spirit, sensitive to his leading and submissive to his work. Just asking. Jesus is telling us to ask. Why wouldn't we ask? And so this morning, I invite you to enter into a vibrant spirituality, not by looking inside of yourself, but by actually looking to the author, the Holy Spirit himself. So I'm going to pray this morning. invite you just to silently repeat after me today maybe you want to hold your hands like that this this is just, just fine a physical expression of what you want God to do maybe you want to sit like this that's just fine but speak from your heart and your mind obeying Jesus to ask for awareness ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and so then you're saying well pastor how do I walk in the Spirit every day you got to come back next Sunday for that we'll get to it okay I invite you to pray with me this morning Gracious Father, I ask today for an awareness of your spirit. I ask for a submissive heart and mind to your spirit. I ask for an outpouring of your spirit upon my life. I ask for an awakening in my heart and my mind of your presence.